Hi, folks. I have a slight pile of content warnings for this week. Oh, my. Well, the interview this week, we're going to touch on um, medical issues, um, dog gas issues. Do we need a trigger Um, warning for dog gas, really? I think in this case we do. Oh, God. Um, And also, there is some discussion of our our loss of tater tot, because this was recorded like a week after or so. Um, and, uh, we also talked about the political process, all of which are, I believe, triggering things for people. So you should probably keep that in mind as you listen to the episode. Uh, the next thing is, uh, thinking of our dogs. Yes. We have them. Two of and, them. And we have cats. Oh yes, those two. Uh, the chickens are asleep. I just put them to bed. Uh, so animal noises happen, just hopefully not chicken noises. Yes. They're, Hound is trying to climb in my lap, as a matter of fact. That's what she does. Uh, and when a cat event happens, is Sarah still in his tower? Um, or a dog gas event. Or a dog matter. gas event, yeah. Uh, there will be swearing. We're not shy with dropping swears. So, yeah, that's why we're marked explicit. It's really the only reason we're marked explicit. Honestly, it is. Yeah. So, hi, welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 191. Uh, our guest this week is Gary Tyrell, who you know Fleen. as Fleen Guy, uh, the person who uh, writes and blogs about webcomics, one of the first webcomic bloggers, reviewers uh, yeah. on the internet back in the day. It was like him and Eric Burns. Yeah, we had a, an amazing conversation. I am excited to share that with all of you in a little bit. Uh, so yeah, no that that was really it was really exciting when he agreed to do this. So along those lines, uh, I'm also excited. I had a I've I've had my first two days this week were really good and really productive. Today is like the middle of the week, and today is the day all my meetings happen. So like my end of day. Oh, look, there they go now. My end-of-day update was that I got, like, almost nothing quote-unquote work-related done because the meetings chopped up my day so bad there was no no time to focus. I can plan around that now since that seems to be (laughs) the primary function of my Wednesdays, Uh, which is okay because that means, like, tomorrow I want to focus on a specific thing and I block of empty time so i'm just going to be like that is when i'm doing that thing great uh and that's you know time boxing which i've talked with several people about and a couple of the upcoming interviews you'll hear more about it but i mean that's that's sometimes how you have to get it done yeah now i will admit that um i also took the time on sunday we spent friday which i had as a day off and saturday obviously, which I had as a day off, um, basically dealing with garden things. Uh, yes, you had a chainsaw and and trees. And was not afraid to do it, yeah. And we took apart, you know, we cleared up garden stuff for you. We got a bunch of stuff done. It was hard work. Uh, really happy with the amount of work we got done. Oh, yeah. And then I took Sunday and basically cleaned out my email backlog. I was like, Sunday is the day I need to just lay around the house because 
because you spent two days with a chainsaw, which yeah. is, what, what was it, a, a gyroscope of... A age. gyroscope attached to a wolverine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, to quote Bruce Campbell, I uh, think. Something like that, yeah. And that was, I mean, it is it is surprisingly hard work if it's not something you do every day. Oh, yeah. It's, it's you know, an angry, angry machine that takes apart trees that will take you apart just as... Well, almost just as easily. There's a whole thread on Twitter about that. <laughs> because uh, basically my response was the thing where the skinny guy just grabs the chainsaw and then is one-handed plowing through zombies. Absolute and total bullshit. I, yeah. I got, a lot of, I got a lot of responses <laughs> on that one. Um, but it was nice on Sunday to be able to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to get all of this done. And since it requires mostly being sedentary, it was really easy. You know, went through tag things, made made sure projects were where projects need to be answered. Cleaned out my inbox, answered everything in my inbox. Nice. That you know, and hit for a glorious few moments, like about twenty four hours, inbox zero, and where my inbox had nothing actionable in it, uh, which was you know wonderful. Um, hi, hi, Hobbs. I, I see you've come to visit me by crawling through the massive cords that are between my two computers. Thanks, buddy. But that was me. Uh, so, yeah, and then this weekend we've got some stuff going on, but nowhere near as intense as last weekend. Hopefully not, no. no. Um, oh, good news. Oh. Uh, yes, uh, the... I believe at this point, uh, coronavirus vaccines in North Carolina are open to everyone. If they're not open to everyone, they're open to like tier four, which is at least myself. I can't get an appointment to save my life. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't really matter until we can get appointments. But but yeah, that has become part of my new routine is just every so often during the day, go click on like three different websites to see if three different organizations have appointments available. So, uh, as I attempt to secure, since I am, like, Liz and I are the two highest risk people in the house. Yes. So, I certainly want to get mine uh, as soon as I can. Just just put that Moderna right in my veins. I and certainly would not mind getting mine either, since I'm the one who does all the grocery shopping. Yes, yes. Uh, so, we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Updates as we have them. Uh, I'm sure if you're keeping up with the news, you know... There are side effects for some people that mostly revolve around just plan on taking the day after your second dose off. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's my world right now. Work, uh, chickens, and, you know, refreshing websites. Yeah. <laughs> so how was your week? Daylight savings time kicked my ass to the curb. I, that is, you know, the advan advantageous thing of you working me like a rented mule on Saturday <laughs> is that... Look, I bought you the really nice Husqvarna chainsaw a couple of years ago with the understanding that it was now at my disposal. Yeah, but it also <laughs> meant that Saturday, after doing that for two days, I was done by 11 p.m. Yeah. Right? I had preset all the clocks. I was out when the dogs got me up at... 8 a.m., which should have felt like 7 a.m., I was ready to go because I had had an amazing amount of sleep. I say this with all the love and respect in my heart. Fuck you. 
I'll accept it. Yes. Yeah. Um, my sleep schedule is so broken right now that uh, I don't even know what it's trying to do. I At 4 a.m. this morning, I could not sleep. I was laying there. I was not asleep. I realized I was not sleeping, and I thought, well, I might as well get some shit done. So I got up and made word count before <laughs> 5 a.m., went back to bed, was not really asleep for about three hours until I poked you. You poked me awake because I had basically... Overslept. Eh, I didn't really oversleep. I just sort of snoozed my alarm one too many times and it was like fine if you're going to be like that yeah and then i finally managed to fall asleep <laughs> until like 1 p.m so uh and then i was fine for a bit and then i needed a nap but now my usual nap time is shot because you know it's it suddenly it's seven and you can't nap until seven that's just my body says that is not acceptable. And so, uh, yeah, it's uh, my sleep schedule bears no resemblance to anything. I did get 2,000 words written today between the 1,000 this morning at five 4 a.m. and the <laughs> other 1,000, you know, but it, at the cost of knowing I may suddenly become suddenly catastrophically exhausted, I am basically reverting to a slip, uh, split sleep schedule. Yep. And uh, that was great when I worked a one particular shift. It is yeah. not yeah. really that useful in, in life otherwise. I've, you know, I've, I've looked at this stuff, and every so often I think to myself, you know, uh, uh, split sleep may be good for me but then i hit the wall of yes but you have a day job which expects you to be online and available certain times i mean there's flexibility in there but like on my on-call week it's kind of set in a heart in stone and uh, you know it, it just becomes difficult to manage yeah it was fine right? when i was working like 6 a.m to 3 every day yeah, that was yeah. that was fine because then I'd come home, I'd sleep for four hours or whatever or three hours, and then I'd ha it would be like I suddenly I had the entire evening to midnight to work. Right, right. And uh, but I was younger then, I was I was half my current age then, and uh, <laughs> now. If I do that, it just means that I'm awake when everyone else is asleep. And yeah, it it just the the nice thing. One of my coworkers who has uh, two small children, no longer uh, one of them was like a newborn when she joined the company. Um, laughs, jokes all the time that it's like you know midnight Eastern. She's in the East Coast with us, and she's like signing on. She's like, hey, how's my uh, you know, Australian fam, how's that European fam that's coming online right about then? And uh, that she's just like, maybe I should just, you know, work the Australia shift or the European shift. But then, you know, she ends up having to talk to people on the West Coast and that just doesn't yeah. work. And I mean, and the thing know. is, I could do it at any time. I could work any hours yeah. I wanted yeah. to because of my, my job. But that, But I like, you know seeing you occasionally yeah. and i don't mind sleeping through most of the time you're at work 
Right? Which is fine, but uh, yeah, it, it the, just... The bit where I'm sleeping through most of the time you're awake is a little bit of an issue. Yeah, and I... In the evenings, when we're hanging out and like watching TV, or lately I've been replaying Viva Pinata, it's... Uh... God, I love that game. Uh, that would have to be my work time, and I value that time spent with Not you. Not necessarily. So. It could be like, all right, it's you know time for me to go to sleep, and that's when you go to work. Yeah. It's just the whole you're in that mindset of you know we're winding down for playing the video games. Right. And, yeah. I'd, I'd be playing the video games before I worked, and that just like doesn't doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like you know it's like eating dessert first, and. I don't see a problem with this. Uh, yeah. I will totally eat dessert first, given the opportunity. Why should I wait? I mean, anyway. dessert is already a, a, a commodity for me. <laughs> the the other problem being that uh, I don't want to be grocery shopping at four in the morning. Yeah, because there's really only one grocery store you can go to. Although, yeah, which they're, they're very nice about the fact that you're shopping at two a.m. and thus presumably either uh, working, you know, the third shift or are high uh, as fuck. High as fuck, and uh, but you know, I mean, there are no crowds. There are no crowds. It's true. You don't have to worry about, you know, maskless wonder coming in and breathing all over you. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, having the, my sleep cycle is, is an <laughs> ongoing problem as long time listeners know. And I was actually doing fairly well for a bit. And then daylight savings time corresponded with some really gray days, which always make me want oh, to yeah. sleep anyway. And uh, so what with one thing and another, I don't know if I'm coming or going, but It'll you, shake itself out once, you know, we get a few more sunny days, and I'm like, must be in garden, sleep is for a week, must garden. Do, do you want me, just before I come downstairs to work, to turn on your sunlight? Uh. Or is that too much? Honestly, I don't know what that would do. I mean, it would be more like, you know, it, it would be like when the sun comes up and shines through the windows on you for that hour or so before you get up in the summer or spring. When it's actually we should try spring. that and see what happens. Okay. Yeah. 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 So. All right. Anyway, you you have an interview. Oh, I have a great interview. Uh, one of my favorite people to hang out with. Uh, we don't Clean get to hang out. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Gary is amazing. Uh, we got to visit at the last time San Diego Comic Con happened. Uh, we don't get to see each other in person very often, but when we do, it's it's just great. Um, and I have, you know, a whole bunch of notes. We fell into the fountain pen hole. We fell into the uh, what's your what's your bag look like? <laughs> um, and, you know, the pros and cons of our various work laptops. So uh, lots of geekery. To there follow. was there was geekery, and there was a whole bunch of other good discussion around that and so i'm going to share that with everybody right after this
I am here today with my friend Gary. Gary is really cool. He's got a lot of stuff going on and runs possibly one of the oldest uh, comic or webcomic news sites on the internet, I think. So, um, Gary, can you introduce yourself and tell us uh, all about what you do? Sure. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, my name is Gary Terrell. I write about webcomics and have since uh, December of, goodness, 2005, uh, which means I think Heidi McDonald's got about nine months on me, and uh, I started about the same time as the late and much missed uh, Tom Spurgeon. Uh, that's uh, that's the side hobby. Uh, <laughs> I figured out once that I do it for the same reason that I spend about half my time in college on the radio. Uh, which is it gives me a chance to inflict myself on whoever happens to be within a uh, fairly narrow audience range. And right. uh, that's that's got some appeal to it. Uh, but day job, I work for a software company teaching people how to be database and security administrators. And uh, in the copious free time, I am uh, the chief of my town's volunteer EMS agency. Oh, you're the chief. I didn't realize you were the chief. They elected me chief back in uh, back in November. Damn them! But uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's been going on about as long as the uh, the web comics blogging. Come to think of it, yes, yeah, I guess it uh, it really has. So, um, with all that going on, how do you keep yourself organized? Uh, I am fairly old school. Um, you can't quite see my setup here, and nobody listening can see my setup, but I've got a uh, a desk with a computer and a laptop on it uh, because my teaching for work, I need to have multiple screens going at the same time. It's kind of cramped, and fortunately, it's got an elevated shelf above me, and the one thing I can find with my eyes closed is the stack of Post-it notes. Oh, yeah. There's always a stack right there, uh, and then I've got multiple uh, pens in uh, easy reach, and I just litter my workspace with post-it notes, not any kind of system to it. It's not color code or anything. It's whatever's on top of the stack. And as soon as everything on that post-it note is crossed off, it goes into the garbage and gets clear. Uh, although I have recently become a fan of, uh, uh, we've talked about this. I have a uh, fountain pen habit, which means I have a jet pens habit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, this year I have, gotten into the habit of a particular diary style organizer, which is just doing marvels for me, uh, which I use okay. mostly for keeping my my EMS wrangling straight. Um, just as an example, I've spent most of the past month uh, calling around and making arrangements and wrangling uh, two dozen people that need to be COVID vaccinated and just need something more than post-its that might get lost or discarded at the same time. So the uh, Morrow men, uh, company Ooh. makes some absolutely beautiful notebooks, but they make a diary uh, which is deceptively thin, okay. lay flat, nice plasticky covers, uh, 12 tabs for 12 months. Okay. And when you open it up to a month, there's just a two page spread there of boxes for every day of the, the month uh, right. with a, a grid behind, uh, about a half centimeter grid. And then when you flip the page, the next two pages are upper two-thirds or so, just uh, about 15 alternate pale and shaded lines going across the page and 28 or 29 or 30 or 31 narrow columns going down the page. 
Okay. So if you've got a task that's going to require a block of time, you say, I'm going to start this here. I'm going to mark off mm -hmm. progress. It's absolutely beautiful. And then at the bottom of the third or so, there's just a more plain grid. And the uh, back six pages or so are just a free list. And it's proving, and we're only into February, but it's proving to be uh, a really handy way for me to track progress on uh, big, big projects. One of the things I set for myself in this two-year term as chief is uh, there's an awful lot of institutional knowledge in a volunteer organization that is oh, often yeah. not written down. And I realized, you know, there's me, there's maybe two other guys that have done this for uh, more than 10 years. And we got a whole bunch of people been at it three years, four years that don't necessarily remember. Oh, yeah, that came up once before in 2012. Here's right. what we did. So great, big, huge documentation project going on. And I'm just marking off first draft, second draft, completion, release uh, yep. all over the place in this thing. So between that and uh, a couple of lamey fountain pens, uh, I cover uh, most of my needs. Oh, good. You've saved me from uh, having to ask about the uh, the fountain pens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's oh. the deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not starting where you think it's starting. In 1990, mm -hmm. freshly graduated as an electrical engineer, I thought I should have some kind of connection to the traditions of my profession in the past. Right, right. And I went out and I made two purchases. Mm-hmm. Uh, at an art supply store, I found a fountain pen for a reasonable price, you know, probably about 20 bucks. Yeah. And uh, it's got the, the Mont Blanc uh, logo on the end of the cap. Okay. Uh, and the opposite end of the barrel. Uh, but I cannot, and it's engraved Mont Blanc, I cannot find any reference to this except possibly this super fancy, slimline, uh, rich person's pen from late 80s that went for like 500 bucks maybe ah. it's a little bit too narrow uh it's not the most uh comfortable thing to write with and uh, if you're not writing with it daily it does have a tendency to clog but you know I, mm -hmm. I kept that around and used it occasionally for a couple of decades the other thing i did at that time was i went to a failing stationery store okay and i found myself and taught myself to use a slide rule okay just a regular, generic, ordinary grade, $4, and it'd probably been on the shelf for 15 years, 30-centimeter uh, long slide rule, uh, five rules on it, front and back. And then one day I was talking with my grandfather, and he said, well, I've got some slide rules if you want them. And uh -oh. I knew that he had had a technical background. Uh, he was long since retired at that time. He became C-suite executive in charge of um, catalysts or a company that was eventually acquired by BASF. Uh, okay. Just started yeah. with them in the 40s when he moved to New Jersey and never left sort of deal. <laughs> I remember after he died going through some of his old college uh, textbooks that he still had around, uh, flipping through the chemistry text, talking about the exciting new atomic theory of oh, matter yes. and uh, the, the periodic table missing half of the elements in it you know he he was a, a chemist they hadn't quite invented the concept of chemical engineering uh right, in right. the in the late 20s and uh he had a stack of uh slide rules he had a little six inch that was his daily carry mm -hmm. and uh one of the most amazing things was he had one that i think was a trade show giveaway 
Okay. And it was a, a round slide rule, uh, like uh, pilots use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was mounted onto a card about the size of a business card, and on the back was the periodic table. Okay, that's pretty cool. That was really cool. And uh, also got a great big, great big one, you know, 18-inch, uh, mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful wooden slide rule that um, I eventually traded uh, for a Klein bottle. Oh, nice. Uh, yes. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the Cuckoo's Nest? Yes. Yes. Uh, the author of that uh, got out of computer security and yep. started a little hobby business uh, turning glass lab supply, uh, glassware, into Klein bottles. Oh, very nice. Yeah, and I saw on his website once going, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. He even made some mugs out of some of them, so infinite coffee uh, in this (laughs) one-dimensional manifold. Uh, He had a slide rule happen. I said, I got this slide rule that I'll trade you. He said, I'll send you a Klein bottle. And I gave it to a mathematician friend of mine. So that was what I had for the longest time. And then, uh, oh, I don't know. Going on three years ago, uh, I happened to see uh, a mention of an artist online talking about a uh, an artist supply company in England that was introducing a new beginner fountain pen. And I thought, you know, I ought to try one of these because the one sure. I've got. Yeah. And so I got this piece uh, from a company called Manuscript. Uh, it's called The Curve. And it's it's a perfectly fine fountain pen. It doesn't write as smooth. It's got some hard starts, but it was cheap. And I said, eh, maybe I should look for something better. And then jet pens fell in my lap. And then <laughs> then the Lamy Safari and the Oto Dude and the Lamy LX. And it just went from there. And then it's like, well, now you need converters and now you need ink. And oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I find that I can do about. 98.5% of what I would ever want to do uh, with a bottle of Noodler's Eel Black, which keeps the converters nice and lubed and is absolutely bomb-proof black ink. And uh, I'm fond of their um, 54th Massachusetts Blue Black, I'm, uh, uh, which runs a little bit wet, but it looks beautiful. Uh, I'm all about the um, the Heart of Darkness from Noodler's, which is also, I believe, a bulletproof. Um but not as uh, it isn't uh, quite as lubricating as the eel. So the, the thing I've found uh, is that if you've got uh, and and I've got some some other inks, I've got some uh, Airbin inks, I've got some Diamine inks, and some other pens. If your converter is sticking, just run a barrelful of the eel black through, and it'll bring yeah. it right back to life. It's amazing. I haven't, I haven't had any problems with the uh, with the heart of darkness. So, hmm. um, but yeah, I I only ever use black ink. Like I have all of these colored pens all over my house, and what's the one I grab? Always the one with black ink. Hmm. Um, what so you I, just held that up? What do you what that almost looked like a Lamy two thousand? It isn't. This is a um, Frisian uh, clicker seven millimeter. Okay. So it hmm. just. With the with the where the the actual clip is the click, gotcha. So, um, I've been using the the Frisians for a lot of stuff because they're erasable and they erase really well. Mm-hmm. And so, like when I'm writing in my planner, and uh, I'm using their highlighters too, that it, which is the cool bit. It's like, oh yes, okay, I'll highlight a, a work meeting or a work obligation. Oh no, it's been canceled or pushed a week. I can just erase it, nice. highlight and all. Mm. So um, yeah, so my my monthly calendar. 
Oh, you get to see the new planner. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, tool eight and a half by 11 monthly. So, yeah, there's the rolling to-do list on the first page, and then the monthly spread color-coded so that I can I can quickly look at something and say, oh, that's a work-heavy day, or that's a, a, a I don't have anything going on, or the big orange stripe is I'm on call that week. The uh, the thing about my job is I'm either completely booked for the day or I am not booked. There's no ambiguity. There's no here's yeah. what I have scheduled on that day. I'm either teaching or I'm not, which makes it. But you just holding up that planner there, you reminded me of a uh, very dear friend of mine. She started as one of my EMS cadets when she was in high school, and she's finished her, uh, her MSW by now. Uh, but she did more in a day than most people do in a week. And she had herself scheduled down to about 12 second intervals, uh, but managed somehow in there to take care of herself, which, uh, which was amazing. Now, uh, the, uh, the, the erasable on the friction is, is interesting. Uh, it's, it's just, um, just comes out of my, my medical service. Uh, we're not allowed to erase anything. So single line through and initial it. So, uh, the, the pen that I use for that because you really don't want a fountain pen no. uh, on duty. Um, Tombow makes this brilliant little stubby pen uh, called the air press that every time you click it, uh, there's a little plunger that pressurizes the ink cylinder Okay. and never fails to flow, never fails to write. You can put it on plastic, you can put it on wax paper, you can put on something that's soaked in grease or other fluids and it's going to write. It's absolutely beautiful. The only other thing that that's close is, do I have one handy? I used to keep one just here at my desk. It's probably in my bag. Is the uh, U.S. government pen mm-hmm. made to write uh, and not run because it, mm-hmm. it was designed to 1950s, 1960s military standards? Right. So uh, the ink in a single clickable pen lasts approximately five kilometers of writing. Wow. It doesn't smudge it doesn't dissolve in water um and the like the clicker on it uh, just can go for days chep used to said uh, they were great because they would stand behind with one behind their back behind their uh, around uh, like the the co they didn't like and uh, click 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 <laughs> and never have to worry about it and um also, apparently, they are sturdy enough and designed well enough that they have been used in the field to perform trakes so there's a whole lot fewer of those than you might imagine but uh yeah 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 you said it was in your bag what are you carrying for a bag these days kevin um i uh i flip-flop between my um i i have the really nice which i'm sure you're you're familiar with the um uh eq balance Mm -hmm. from uh the uh urban equilibrium you have seen them at, at San Diego Comic-Con. You have seen yep. them at the big events. Um, I bought it in 2019 with the idea that I travel a lot. A bag I can throw on a thing. Yeah, okay, so that's that's been a problem uh, yeah. this year because it's like there's this – it's a giant bag that is way too much. So I actually have a giveaway <laughs> of all things. Um, they gave me uh, – opensource.com gave me a branded Case Logic backpack. <laughs> Which is just big enough for like a planner, um, an iPad, a laptop, if you want, pens, face masks. I had a case logic grab and go. 
I had a case logic that I carried for years, and then uh, some of the zippers fell off, and uh, it had one of those twisted paracord uh, bits on the outside that just broke from grabbing it too much. And uh, I said, well, okay, uh, let's try a shoulder bag. And I went with a uh, Tom Ben Empire Builder. Oh, yes. And I carried that thing on a daily New York City train and walk and commute for four years, and it looks like it's brand new. Uh, that thing is absolutely bulletproof. Uh, and then my back got a little bit too old for the one shoulder thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I had a bag uh, that forced me to downsize because it was a bit smaller. I got through a uh, kickstart mm-hmm. uh, that uh, was marked as uh, cut proof and really was. Cut proof had a built-in security cable, quite nice. Uh, and, uh, the dog that just wandered out of the, uh, the frame, uh, just about two years ago when she was brand new, she decided to chew on the zippers and yeah. the zippers completely destroyed in 12 seconds. So cut proof bag that, uh, was not as impregnable as I was led to believe. So I just went out and got a, a Tom bin 25 liter standard backpack, which, uh, is absolutely, again, where I want things, uh, put some organizers and, uh, pen containers of my own choice into the various pockets and it's just laid out where i know exactly where things are yeah everything and again every, everything else i have is an osprey um you know the big the the extra large osprey duffel for travel for like the you know the checked bag and then yeah uh the osprey uh i forget the specific line but like i've got a 40 liter and a 20 liter backpack depending mm-hmm. Because, you know, if I have to travel for work, I'm taking my work laptop and my personal laptop. Um, because uh, it's, you know, the work laptop, while more powerful than the personal laptop, doesn't have as big a disk. And mm-hmm. also, uh, I don't need to be editing podcasts or whatever on my work laptop. <laughs> like, all the extra things I'd have to install to be able to do it. So it's just like, right. okay. Yeah. Wow. I don't think okay, so I've ever double laptopped it. I, I, I do not have anything I care about that much. I am. Um, I do as a matter of habit, especially when um, at a prior job, uh, the the laptop they had issued me didn't get replaced for five, six years, and it was already like a year old Dell at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, I'll um. I'm going to take my personal laptop because I can do everything else I need to do that isn't work on it. Because this thing is, you know, just enough to keep up with work. Right. And that was, yeah, that was the thing with that one. Um, And then they gave me an underpowered surface, so. I get a a bog-standard corporate templated ThinkPad every three years. And, uh, well... Honestly, um, anything I need to do, the most important thing I've got on the laptop is, is the VPN going to bog down my network? Because everything I need to do is on the far end of the network. Right. Uh, and they just can't manage that part. So it almost <laughs> doesn't matter if they give me a new ThinkPad every three years because they also can't manage. No names mentioned. No corporate names mentioned. Uh, right. They cannot manage to transfer information from one laptop to another. Every time I follow the directions, I end up for a week 
on call with tech support and they said, oh, yeah, that doesn't work. Or, yeah, those instructions were never tested. And I was like, why? Why? I'm just going to keep this one until they make me give it back because I know where everything is. Yeah, no, I've been really happy with my uh, with my work issued laptop because this time they're just like, yeah, so you could choose. Um, this was 2019, so the MacBook Pro 15 inch, the MacBook Pro 15 inch, or the MacBook Pro 15 inch, <laughs> and you can get that with an i7 or an i9, and you know, and then like a couple sizes, and they're like, yeah, we've pre-imaged everything, we've tested it, don't upgrade anything until we tell you it's okay, and so yeah, it's. Pretty rock solid. Um, and then since I'm compiling things and I'm doing code work that, yeah, I need the bigger RAM and the higher CPU. Oh, saved my butt a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> now, for personal machines, I look to future-proof those. If it's not going to be good for me in eight years, you know, I will I will spend the extra money just so I don't have to go through the headache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't get people that upgrade their computers every two years or their phones every two years. I want to not go through that hassle. I've got it down to a science at this point. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the the biggest switch I've made in the last couple of years, like I went from iPhone to Android, stayed on Android close to a decade, and then just last year switched back to iPhone. And mm-hmm. the only pain was, you know, oh, right, which apps do and don't have versions on right. the other side. Yeah. Um, and most of it was because I was tired of fighting with Android on a couple things. And um, and then I got the Apple Watch, and now I'm kicking myself for spending years arguing with not Apple Watches because, oh, my God, this thing is so nice. And it's, it's everything I wanted in a smartwatch, and just couldn't quite get out of every other one I tried, and I am just livid about it. <laughs> I'm not a fan of smart anything. I want right. dumb things. I, mm, privacy maven, I prefer to call it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I have a TV in my living room that is actually a bit too small for the size of the room. You right. know, it's it's not, not where it should be, given the only place it makes sense to put the couch. It was the biggest <laughs> I could get. Uh, let's see now, in uh, 2004. Right, right. And I will replace that thing when I can find something of a comparable or larger size that does not say smart attached to it. I do not want a damn right. TV listening to me. I, I, yeah, no, I'm, I am against, I like, I will not buy, my big problem with, like, quote-unquote smart TVs is that at some point, like, it's too easy for an update to brick it. Yep. And so, yeah, I don't want a 5000 6000 whatever, $1,000 brick on my wall. I, I would rather pay less for a TV without brains and plug in the streaming device or whatever so that it's... so that I can replace the streaming device without having to replace the whole goddamn TV. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would be doing the exact same thing, except I've discovered that the uh, the TV is about six months too old to have the correct uh, encoding uh, oh. version that would allow a streaming device to go. So it's laptop gets hooked up via yep. uh, via cable, yeah. tottering on the yeah. pile of uh, board games next to the TV. <laughs> 
but between the accidental bricking and I've just seen way too many smart fill in the blanks that have just been retired and they've said, hey, glad you spent 500 bucks on all these peripherals. They're dead. Now you got to buy new ones. I was, uh, yeah, I actually um, got bit by that with the smoke alarms. Great smoke alarms. The Nest smoke alarms, right? Um, you said the magic word. Yeah, uh, reasonably good devices. They did everything I wanted until I went to, to use something that wasn't a Google device. And then it was like, no. So I got the first alert because, you know, first alert, it works on everything. Great. And it was way too sensitive. Hmm. Like... Like, I uh, I vape. I still vape. Everyone knows I still vape. Yes, everyone, yell at me in the comments about quitting. I hear you. Um, but I exhaled underneath one of them, and it went off. Like, it was that too sensitive. And so I had to, like, okay, fine, and replace it with some, some standard, quote-unquote, dumb smoke alarms because they actually worked better. I have a dumb smoke yeah. alarm on the ceiling above me. Uh, once a year, I change the 9 volt in it, and that's all I need to know. But you said too sensitive. Funny story. Uh, I discovered one day that the plug into the wall, first alert, CO detector was actually mm -hmm. a CO and explosive gas detector. Because oh. uh, one Saturday morning, I'm just sitting there petting my dog, and uh, she let a silent fart out at the smoke uh, the uh, the explosive and CO detector, and it yeah. shrieked immediately and sent her flying across the room. That was hilarious. Methane, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. This is this is. By the way, uh, those of you who don't have dogs, this is a side effect. Dogs have. Wow. They they yeah. can produce some things. They can. Now, what what's the largest dog you got now, Kevin? Um, I think Lacey runs about seventy pounds. Okay. Um, and she is full of enthusiasm and methane. She's one of the hounds. Yes. Yeah. Um, there are two hounds. Ernie only is only slightly smaller, uh, but he produces more gas. Mm. So he's well, the one who will sit there and stare at you with the begging look and then just, and you're like, dude, really? Really? Um, the greyhound's a little under 65 pounds and she's actually not terrible. She's got a, uh, a gut that is some, some sort of weird balance that I am unwilling to disturb. Yeah, we don't mess with that. No, no, no. No, nope. no. Mm. Um, Art, Sergey, don't push buttons for me. This is not high. Yeah, don't don't make me... This cat. This cat. Um, that cat's going to murder you in your sleep if you don't let him push buttons? Well, uh, I'm going to cheat. Uh, I'm going to use... Um, one switch on my Mac and toggle the lock keyboard function. So now it requires an active mouse to un to be able to use the keyboard. Ha! So there. Uh, Wait, isn't this the cat that steals kitchen knives? He doesn't steal them. We have a magnetic wall holder for them. He just yeah. walks. He just waits until you're there and then shoves one off. So he doesn't steal them. He merely just... hurls them at you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and things off the back of my desk, and occasionally there's a, a large Lego, you can't see it, place at um, the um, Darth Vader's castle, which he has discovered is not affixed to the top of the mm. display case, so I will hear it start to slide, and I will know it's time to uh, eject him from my office. 
So, yes, I'm talking about you. All right, so... <laughs> and we, so we've talked... I, I, about, I think the big impediment to the productivity we're discovering is our animals. Uh, there's a time of day where everything is quiet and all of the animals are asleep, and I'm like, I can get things done. It's And it's not two in the morning, so... Now, I did have a question along those lines, uh, yes. because you you are famously now uh, the chicken guy on the Internet. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you've got the cams. You've got all I, I've seen everything you've built into those coops. Uh, yeah. I, I watch every morning, you know, which <laughs> which uh, which chicken is is most uh, interested in you, whether it's Buffy or Tater Tot. Uh, I, I feel oh, very friendly towards these chickens. Yeah. Does having those animals. Force you into the routine more than you would be in if you didn't have it. Because chickens don't care. Chickens gotta get fed in the morning. And well, I kind of thought it would be that way with a dog, but this dog is really nonchalant about times. And if something's an hour and a half late today, in terms of food or walkies, she'll just ah, sigh at us, but not really make a fuss. So, uh, uh, secret number one is um, all of the chickens have basically feeding stations. It, as part of the coop. Okay. So there's food and water, and if I don't get up at exactly 7 a.m. or whatever, uh, they're not starving, they're not dehydrating. Right? Uh, the second part is for the larger uh, run with the two big coops and where Ninja and Spare and all of the related hens for that group, the, that soon to be hopefully single, if not you know, two-flock situation, um, uh, have automatic doors. <laughs> so the doors open at a specific time, and they can wander around and whatnot. Um, but you're not there with the mealworms. I'm not there with the mealworms. They, they're, they're there. When I show up with the mealworms, they're, uh, they're, you know, they're very attentive, but they do not require me to show up specifically for mealworms in the morning. Okay. Um. The other enclosure does have manual doors still, uh, because that's also where the babies, when we have chicks, that's where they live. Right. Um, and I don't want like them to be free-ranging without their mother or their caretaker until such time as they are, you know, old enough to to care for themselves. Um, right. So that and that's large and buffy and giant. Um, and soon, now that we have we made the move on Friday night, um, Daryl and BB are now over there. Um, you know, we were going to move Tater Tot, and then we lost Tater Tot to the Hawk. So, sorry, that's old news for everybody who's listening. Uh, it's really new news since I think it happened like Wednesday, Wednesday oh, or Thursday. I'm sorry, I mentioned Tater Tot. No, that, no, no, it's it's, tragic. it's fine. I uh, you know at least the the Hawk. Did not we, we the hawk got driven away by probably ninja before <laughs> it ate anything. So um, we we were able to uh, uh, recover and take care of her without any additional trauma. Mm. Um, so, but yes, uh, this is the price we pay with with you know free range chickens. Um, and uh, you know as I've as I've always said, if if we lose a chicken, well that wasn't my chicken; it's God's chicken now. So, um, because you just want what's best for the chicken. I, it's true. 
It really is. It's, it's unironic. I, I remember the saga of the strong independent chicken wandering over to your place. Right, and having to have the talk with the neighbors. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we've talked about all of the organizational stuff and a little bit of habits. Um, what other systems and habits do you use? This is uh, this is the closest thing that I have to an organizational system, and it's uh, it's a, a bit of wisdom that uh, I got oh about halfway through my college career. Okay. Now I was like everybody that went to nerd school. I had coasted through high school, and then about three weeks in, in the first round of exams, I got slapped in the face. Oh yeah, everybody here coasted through high school. Mm-hmm. And I kind of flailed for a bit. Uh, And then I read uh, Chuck Jones's autobiography, uh, Chuck Amuck. And right in the very few pages, he was talking about that all he learned from his uncle, uh, Uncle Lynn, you know, back in around Mm -hmm. the time of World War One, because Chuck was an old guy. Uh, And he he particularly emphasized a story where Uncle Lynn sat him down one day and said, Charles. The most important advice I can give to you is to be lazy. Because you have to have a bit of organization and you have to be smart to get away with being lazy, to find a way to do the least amount of work possible. Yep. And that's kind of my organizi- organizing principle. I um, I learned some time ago mm-hmm. working corporate that, you know, if I'm handed a task that is not teaching, you know, here somebody needs to develop this, somebody needs to prove this, somebody needs to write this, that they're going to allocate an amount of time. And I look at that and I think, hmm. I can do that in about a fifth of the time. Right. And the very smartest thing that I can do is never tell them that. <laughs> because if I do, they will come up with other stuff for me to do in that time. Right. Uh, and I just I, I noticed in myself habits of if I'm given something to say, here, five days, work on it. And Monday, it says, I'm kind of half-hearted thinking about it. Tuesday, nah, I'm doing anything else. And somewhere around Thursday afternoon, I get into the zone and bang out 80% of it and nice. finish it by mid-morning tea on Friday. Uh, and those first three and a half days, I was not dicking around on the Internet right. or rereading my copy of Digger for the 83rd <laughs> time. Low estimate. Uh, I was background thinking about all of it. And arranging it in my head, writing between 300 and 1,800 words a day on the blog, uh, I don't go back and edit myself nearly as carefully as I should. We've got friends that are aghast at how little I edit myself, and we know how impossible it is to edit yourself anyway. But it's very much a case of think, 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 organize, rough outline, okay, just write go back and get rid of the egregiously bad stuff, format it. Does it make sense when you read it? Yeah, go, go. But uh, awful lot of side cycle processing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there was a, um, oh, I wish I could remember. I was reading a thing just the other day about how a taking a break actually lets your, or maybe I was talking to somebody, actually lets your brain cycle on things without actually, like, uh, because now instead of being focused on it, you can like background process while you're doing other things. Maybe it was when I was re-listening to the the interview with uh, Doctor Nerdlove. I don't know. It's hmm. last week's a little blurry at this point. So 
Um, yeah, we're only on uh, March about uh, 315th. So. I know, I know. We're uh, no, it has to be more than that, because we're less than 20. Oh yeah, you're right. We're, we're three weeks out. away from March. Yeah. So 340th, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, give or take. Um, cool. Be lazy. I like that. No, that's that's like the sysad. That should be the sysadmin's motto. I want to be lazy. It means, you know, I might have to do some work up front to build the robot, but then the robot's going to go fix the thing every time it breaks, so I don't have to. If I design it right the first time, I'm not constantly... You know, I, I, just yesterday, day before yesterday, it's Sunday, uh, I was teaching a performance tuning class and said, okay, look, you see this thing that we're talking about here? This is end stage. Now, I'm going to date myself here. Do you remember TVs with knobs on them? I said, yes, <laughs> yes. And yeah, that knob, it goes chunk and it turns in channel four and it goes chunk and it turns in channel five. But then there's that ring that does the fine, uh, the fine tuning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one day, I don't know, I'm about six and I'm sitting in front of the TV and kids TVs used to be furniture. Oh, yeah. This thing would have oh, been yeah. about 19 inches and it would have weighed close to 200 pounds in a big, heavy wooden frame. And I just got bored and TV's tuned to channel four. And I just started turning that fine tuning knob clockwise. And okay. it got kind of sharp and then it got sharper and then it got perfect. And then it got a little bit less sharp. And then everybody's kind of looking a little blue. And then everybody's kind of looking purple. And now they're waving. It looks like they're on Mars. And I'm just really bored. I found out if I kept at it, it was a good 15 minutes. I got channel five in. Yep. Yep. Dials point to channel four. But I'm getting channel five. Oh, okay, great. So I guess if I want to watch channel seven, I have to turn to channel six. Yeah, no, the channels aren't all the same bandwidth. Right. <laughs> and the only way to reset that, kids, because it's a mechanical device, was to sit there and turn it back the other way for <laughs> 15 minutes, which I managed to do before I got yelled at. Uh, fine tuning always comes after the gross tuning. Yep. You've got to have something that is reasonably stable and dialed in because Whatever you're doing, it's database administration, it's system administration, it's performance tuning, it's security, it's whatever your job happens to be. If you're not in a stable place with the big stuff done, you don't fiddle with the little stuff, because as soon as you do the next bit of big stuff, you've undone your prior bit of little thing. stuff. Now, yeah. absolutely, you have to sweat that little stuff. Uh, yeah. The best, best autobiography I've read in the past 10 years was uh, Chris Hadfield. Uh, which was titled Always Sweat the Small Stuff. Because if you're in space, you want to know that somebody paid attention to the little details. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, do you want to know that? Plus, the man's got an amazing mustache. Uh, so, massive respect I, I there. I mean, yeah, just, uh, you know, as, as, as someone with another impressive mustache, you have to admire other people's mustaches. Yeah. You have to admire the Hatfield, but... Uh, yeah, you, you have to, it, whatever you're working on, it's like a great big, enormous Alexander Calder mobile hanging over your head in the museum. And somewhere three galleries away, somebody farts. And yep. 30 seconds later, the entire thing just goes in every which direction until it finds its new stable configuration, which looks nothing like the last one. Mm -hmm. I am not poking that thing until I've got as much done as I possibly can have done. That's my rule. Yeah. And uh, I think more software designers should at least uh, there's some. Um, 
there's a push, right? There's a, a push, especially if you're doing continuous delivery, that doesn't necessarily focus. It's like we will f- we will stabilize the next one and the next one and the next one because we want to get this change in or this feature on or whatever, and you never actually reach a stable state. Or oh boy, people have a tendency to rat hole, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or um, this one little thing needs to be so dialed in and perfectly tuned to fix, which will then fix this other big problem. And I'm like, could you just address the big problem without having to do this? Because the next time something changes over there, we're going to have to retune this. But no, no, have to, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've been through it a couple times. And, um, you know, because they're, too, they're not sweating the small stuff. They're too busy with the big stuff and not, and not putting, you know, and it's not, it's like building a house that isn't level. Oh, when we when we hit that point, we'll just put some shims on it by the foundation, and that'll level it out. No. No. No, because you know some <laughs> idiot's going to plant ivy on the other side. Yes, as our friend uh, uh, KB Spangler found <laughs> to her tons and tons of pain. Well, that ivy is structural, so. Yeah, it is now. Uh, <laughs> twice. They had that house inspected twice. I know. With two different inspectors. Um, I, I, I have told KB and Brown more than once that if I ever hit one of those big fuck you money lottery uh, prizes, yeah. well, I've told my boss. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be one of those people that says, oh, no, I'm still going. No, as soon as I don't have to work, I'm not working because, right. you know, cross-reference, lazy, lazy man. Uh, but I said I will tip her $2 million so she can quit, too, if she wants to. Right. And I've I've told KB that I will come up with whatever is necessary to get them completely out from under that house and into one that is structurally sound, uh, so long as, <laughs> A, they donate it to the local fire department as a practice burn, and, B, I get to light the match. See, now there's there's the one problem with it. I believe that house is considered historical because it used to be the Poet Laureates. Yeah, it's also uh, it, it, it's also the Argo. You know, it, it's, it's oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. How much of that house is still the original house? Hold on. I'll, I'll let me I will link for everyone who has no idea what I'm talking about. I will link to the disaster house um, blog that KB Spangler of A Girl in Her Fed, who was on the show years ago, um, owns and has been struggling with now for a very long time. And we all just sort of go, why? Anyway. Why? 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 What did you do in all of your past lives that you invited this? Well, one never knows, so... One never does. <laughs> um... All right. What does um, what does a typical day look like? Uh, my days are incredibly variable. Uh, one of the things that I, I end up, mm-hmm. you know, having to remind my family of is that uh, my work life is not blocked out by morning, afternoon, or hour to hour, or day to day. It's five day blocks. So either I am really open that five days, or I am not. And if I am not, I am not interruptible. You know, when it comes to things like, oh, well, you know, the accountant needs to talk to you. Well, I have a day when I'm not teaching uh, in three weeks or we'll do it after 530 because I can't take 10 minutes in the middle of the day. 
because right, my students right. will not put up with that because they are paying huge amounts of money or their companies are uh, to send them to this training. Uh, so that's a bit, you know, it, it demands some organization. Uh, if I want to take vacation, I have to block that out uh, sometimes eight months in advance. Say, oh, yeah. these two weeks don't schedule me for anything. Uh, or, yeah, I'm only going to be gone in here, but I realize that that's two weeks of utilization uh, that's shot. Add on to that. Tuesday nights, whatever it is you got going, I'm not there because uh, I am running an ambulance crew. And right. every sixth weekend, I am not available because I'm on weekend duty. So a lot of it's just a matter of what day is it? Is it a day that is completely spoken for or is it not? But if it's a day that's spoken for, eh, get up, uh, ease my way into the day. Uh, the radio goes off and it's uh, the local NPR station that tells me what fresh new horrors have erupted overnight, uh, just so oh. nothing surprises me. Right. Not nearly as horrifying as it has been uh, for the Very past much. couple of weeks. Very true. Very I, true. Yes. I, I wake up and say, huh, I'm not horrified yet. And I just wonder when <laughs> that second shoe is going to drop. Uh, I'm not usually a breakfast person. Haven't been. Mm -hmm. But uh, the kitchen is just off of my office. And uh, both the kettle and the tea uh, are between the far entrance to the kitchen and the entrance to my office. So that's handy. Just just assemble yep. as you go. Yep. As I go. My wife is usually the one that takes care of the dog in the morning uh, mm -hmm. because she is more doing stuff first in the morning. I just need to make sure that I've got uh, I've been showered and I'm in my seat at time. Uh, but she will. Uh, uh, do a yoga routine or a meditation or is mm -hmm. far more uh, structured about those things than I am. And then it's uh, straight through day, uh, hour off for lunch. And then uh, my time starts sometime after 530. Although the deal about teaching is all the things that come in during the day, the emails that have to be responded to or oh, yeah. the fill out this survey, those still have to get done. So uh, the the weeks that I am not teaching kind of make up for that, uh, where there's a whole lot of empty time around. And that's when catch up on reading, decide uh, uh, what's next in the queue, uh, take the car in for service, uh, right. dentist appointment, things like that. And then it's been a while. There used to be this thing called travel where yes. you would leave your house and go other places. I, I remember this vaguely. It has been yeah. so long. Yes. And about a quarter of my teaching load would have involved that. Now, mostly that's a corporate site that's eh, about 130 kilometers away. So easy Sunday afternoon drive and relatively easy Friday afternoon drive back, although involves I-95 in both directions. And and... I-95 is state and zone personal intestinal tract of a highway. Uh, but on uh, state, but yeah, uh -huh. I'm familiar. It's it's bad the whole way. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a nightmare. Uh, but on occasion, it will be. Oh, okay. Well, we don't have anybody else, Gary. So you need to be in California for this class. So you know, there's a Sunday, there's a Friday into Saturday that's shot. But you know, uh, I get paid corporate tech money. So the fact that I get fair amount of time that's just we don't really have anything for you. You're on the bench this week. Mm -hmm. uh, about makes up for it. Yeah. About. Yeah. 
about. Ah, oh. and then in between, you still have because I, I, you, you were here for to teach, not that, yeah. and we we managed to grab dinner on like a Sunday. Yeah. Um, before you actually started and flew back home, so. <laughs> no, it was, it was before I started the class. It was I was just coming in. Right. 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 Yep. Right, 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 right. yep. Yep. And you were just about to head to Africa. Yes. Yes. So that was yeah. Um, and then we ran into you at San Diego. Uh, Comic Con. Last time they had San Diego. Last yeah. time they had San Diego. Yeah. So. Um, this is this is how it works, folks. When when you're doing these different circuits and the work travel and things like that, when we can travel again, we might be able to see each other every three to five years. And sometimes it's just hour. random. Yeah. Yeah. I was. Uh, my wife and I were flying out of Portland from a vacation at the same time that. Uh, Howard Taylor and his wife, Sandra, were flying into Portland, oh, and yes. we realized we were in the same terminal <laughs> and uh, went to hang out uh, between our, our our various boardings. Uh, it, things happen randomly like that sometimes. Yeah, I, I uh, we were in Helsinki for Worldcon, and Howard was like, hey, I'm just going to have a hangout and draw in the food court. And I'm like, oh, cool. And, you know, it's... Um, Usually the only time I see Howard is at a Worldcon these mm-hmm. days. Um, not that we've had those for a couple years either. So, <laughs> oh, fingers crossed for DC. Fingers crossed for DC. What's the date? Uh, August, I think. I'll give you a 40% shot. Depends they on whether talk- people stay the hell home now and whether right. people will get vaccinated. Um, they've talked about pushing to December. I still haven't heard what the deal is on that. And then they're still, can you push the Hugo Awards to December? Oh, I can see a lot of people being very grumpy about that. The so, uh, yeah. the sheer amount of parliamentary procedure that erupts around the Hugos never ceases to amaze me. Uh, the sheer amount of parliament, well, that's all part of the World Science Fiction Society, which happens to post all their meetings and present the Hugos at, um, at Worldcon. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's, there's, there is a whole lot of politics that goes on in there that I, I sort of understand, but can't explain and don't want to. I, um, as a, as a consequence of my volunteer position, I am more tied into my town's political process than I would right. ordinarily care to be. And, I, I am utterly convinced that the smaller the stakes, the greater the drama. Oh, um, I saw that working for the city government, the city yep. of Raleigh, for for a couple of years. It was like it, it, the a, a someone's small little fiefdom over wastewater purification. Well, not even purification, like wastewater drainage out of a, a block of town would be the most, you know, uh, would. If anything, anything happened with it or anything did not go according to plan or th- through their approval, it was as if, uh, you know, the the heavens would open and God himself would step down to enact his wrath. And I'm like, I am so glad I'm over here in the IT department because I see what's happening over there, the other side of the building in the council chambers. And I don't want to be there. <laughs> I saw it just the other night. I got in a notice in the mail that... Uh, 
I live a block off my town's main street, and it's very convenient, but somebody's going to be renewing a building and adding some floors and putting in some uh, apartments. And so I got invited to the planning meeting because I'm within whatever the distance is. Right. right. And uh, because the notices had gone out that the planning meeting would, of course, be on Zoom, but it would also be broadcast on the local municipal cable channel and it would also be broadcast but not interactive uh, mm-hmm. on Facebook Live. Okay. Uh, and then when it came time to start the meeting, Facebook was having an outage, uh, which led to a half an hour oh. rather heated discussion as to whether or not they could hold the meeting under New Jersey's open meetings records law because they right. said it would be on Facebook. And now it's not on Facebook. And the fact that there were multiple other ways to participate, I guess, doesn't matter. But if you yeah, uh, if you give public yeah. notice of a meeting at these places at this time and it cannot be done at that place at that time, there are yeah, there are potentially legal. That's crazy, I know, but I, I really yeah. wanted to ask and they just would not take comment from the public because they were trying to decide if it was a meeting or not. <laughs> that uh, you know, let's just assume that Zuckerberg wants to build a house here in town and has to appear before this zoning commission. And you say it's going to be on Facebook and halfway through, he calls up his tech people and says, bring down Facebook. You know, do you have to adjourn at that point? I uh, think yeah. that they do. I think. Yeah, I don't know. God, the the the. These are the things that with the openness and the meeting notification or whatever laws I never think through in full because it never it never seems to be that important but it would be if you're on the planning committee or if you're a citizen and an equal access okay we're going to stop there before i hurt myself and before somebody screams at their at their podcast right um highly dependent highly dependent all right the next question deals with the best advice you've ever received or um and or would give someone else and i think you've already got that sort of be lazy yeah do you have anything else that goes with that (laughs) Yeah, uh, I figured this out, and then I heard it distilled down uh, by Chris Rock, which is nobody is ever just one thing. And you can't be just one thing. You can't identify yourself as just one thing. You can't have just a thing that you do. I was kind of forced into that because I went to a nerd school, uh, but I went to a nerd school that at the same time, you know, uh, all the nerd schools are saying, oh, we eat, breathe and sleep technology. Uh, my college, Rose Holman, mm-hmm. Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, said, no, we're going to make you take, depending on your major, between 28 and 31 percent of your course load in the humanities because you're not a friggin machine. We're going to force right. you to do this. And then that quickly became the refuge uh, small school. So there is a political science professor, there's an an historian, there's one guy that's the psych department, you know, (laughs) over in humanities, several language and literature professors. Uh, But my senior year, the historian was on a Fulbright fellowship. He was off in Japan, so they had to get an adjunct professor who drove in from uh, Champaign-Urbana four days a week. And uh, one day, about halfway through the term, he stopped and he says, I just figured something out. I am giving you the same reading workload, and I'm giving you the same assignments that my students are getting at Champaign-Urbana, University of Illinois, Right. but you're on the quarter system. You're here for 10 weeks, meeting four times a week. They're meeting for 16 weeks, twice a week. 
but you are getting everything done by the next day that they've got two or three days to do. And then he asked, what the fuck? That was the quote. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And we had to explain to him, you don't get it. In this room, there's no math. This is the break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is where we find something else to have an interest in. And it really kind of hit me in the academic uh, realm in that mm -hmm. fashion. But I, I, like I mentioned before, I spent huge amounts of my time, uh, as much as 10 or 12 hours a week uh, on the student radio station, because right. it was something different. It was a break. It was a huge time sink at times, but it was a different kind of thinking. It was a different kind of flow that you would get into, yeah. uh, which is why I think I blog, which is why I think uh, I'm an emergency medical technician, aside from the fact that somebody's got to do it and may as well be me because I'll make sure that I'm not an idiot and make sure the people working with me are not idiots. And right, that's right. kind of important there. Yeah. So, yeah, don't be just one thing. Don't identify yourself by just a thing. You yeah. are a programmer. You are uh, volunteer security at <laughs> fandom conventions. You are chicken guy. Uh, yeah. And you are many, many other things. And uh, that, I think that's where we need to be broad based rather than spe specialization is for insects. Yes. And um, uh, I am. Uh, unfortunately, the, the two that come up the most are I am a stunt eater and I am a chicken keeper. So <laughs> and we haven't been doing the stunt eating because it's really hard to do with everything else going on. So we're hoping to be able to do some of that again. Twenty twenty one. You're also a plague doctor, but that's been a while too. That one, yeah, yeah, that uh, that one needed a long break. You do the same. You do that. The everybody's like, oh, we miss it, we miss it, we miss it. And like we miss it too, but we don't miss the you know the deadline three times a week, the hour per episode that was spent recording and editing and writing and and on and on and on. You get down um, to four minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean we've got. We've got some plans and we've got some stuff coming up, but it's not, um, we, it's just, uh, been, uh, I think everybody who's, who does any sort of creative endeavor, everybody has had issues this last 12 months, right? Um, yep. it, it has been hard and everybody recognizes that and everybody I've talked to over the last year or so has been very, up front about that, that, you know, everybody's taking a productivity hit. Everybody, especially if you're an artist or an author or um, into comics, it has been significantly harder to get through some of that, you know, especially if you're supposed, I'm supposed to be the lighthearted one while the world is on fire around me, right? Right. It's, it's a lot harder and it's, it's a much bigger strain. And so, um, I don't fault anybody for it. I think uh, everyone who has managed to get their stuff done, and whether it's creative or whether it's just, you know, I have to go out and build a chicken coop today, um, in the last year, man, more power to you. More power to you. Um, so, all right, thinking of that, here's the, here's the sad but usually easy question. And you know the quote where I get it from. Howard Taylor's Maxim 70. 
Um, failure is not optional. It is mandatory. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Um, what matters? Oh, I've, I've is, got the coin in fr in my hand at the moment, so I can quote yeah. it if you like. I, I mean, I can yeah. I can get the coin out of my pocket because I have it too. It's just you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, ha! Right next to my Dorsai coin. Yeah. Um, the option. Yeah. Uh, failure is not an option. It's mandatory. The option is whether or not to let failure be the last thing you do. Yep. Right. So, how do you deal with failure? Or when you miss a goal. Just own up to stuff. If you're going to blow a deadline, let known that the deadline is going to be blown. If things are breaking, let it be known that they are breaking. And here is how that's going to affect. And the, the thing that will the thing that will irritate me more than anything else. Mm -hmm. is having my time wasted or wasting somebody else's time where I am not being given a new set of expectations. Right. Uh, I am dependent upon an entire infrastructure of technology to teach my classes. And when somebody hasn't done their job and my thing isn't working and I have to tell my students, I'm sorry, we can't do this right now. And I filed a ticket and I do not know when it's going to be picked up, and I do not know when somebody's going to act on it or if they see the emphasis on it that you feel. Right. And and very often, I am the only contact that these customers will have with our corporation that's an right. actual person. So these things become my fault. Right. Uh, right. All I can say is, this is our best case. This is what these are our options. Let's take a vote how we want to approach this going forward. Uh, but I am not going. You know, I, I decided years ago that I will not lie to my students to put put my employer in a better light when they are screwing up. When I say, "Look, this feature is advertised as doing X. It doesn't behave that way. It behaves this way," or we have this flaw in the system where if this bit of network drops just a little bit on its performance, our class falls apart. And this is a known problem. I have reported it 17 times. And the usual response I get from IT is they delay until the end of the class and they say, oh, it's moot. And that may happen to you. Right. And all you can do is you can report it because they may listen to you because you give them money. Mm -hmm. But to to adjust expectations and communicate. It's being the chief uh, and being in charge of nearly 30 people in this town and having other officers. Uh, I'm a big fan of delegation and just getting all of us together and decide who wants to handle these tasks. Here's what needs to be done. Last guy that had the job was very much a, I do everything and then you receive it which doesn't work in volunteer organizations, doesn't work in any kind of organization, not really. Nope. But um, no. if, you, if something's coming up and you can't do this, I just want to know. Don't surprise me with this. So yeah. where there is failure, don't make the outcome of that failure a surprise. And ideally, if I've done everything correctly, in job, in volunteering, in my personal life, I have designed in a graceful failure rather than a disastrous failure because uh, if that failure is disastrous because of something that was unforeseen uh, then I need to foresee it next time and if it's for something that was foreseeable then that was 
a design error on my part. Right. Right. And while for your work things, mm -hmm. it's not, it's expensive and it's bad feelings maybe towards the company, whatever. In your volunteer time, there is potentially a very, very steep cost. If, you know, I, I, part of what I do uh, on occasion is I also teach little baby EMTs in right. a formal program uh, towards certification, how not to kill their, their patients. And I let them know, hey, you're, you're new on your agency. And guess what? You're going to be for the next forever uh, doing rig check at the star shift, not because you're the newbie and nobody else wants to do it and you don't have the, the authority to say no, but because you don't know where stuff is. If I say I need a BVM and I need a peep valve and I need a HEPA filter and set up for suction, now you can't be sitting there looking stupid, wondering where that stuff is. Right. You know, so the, the preparation literally in my small town is 90% of what we do because we're just not that busy an agency. Right. Uh, we're, we're not, but when we are, it's usually almost nothing. And when it's not almost nothing, it's, Okay, you probably should have called us two days ago. And if it's not that, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, uh, that sure is a human that got hit by a train. Um, yes. And we don't have time to, to decide, you know, whose fault it is that we didn't prepare. We will, we will do that after. We will there's do consequences. That after. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I hate, I hate those consequences. I, I think I can say mm -hmm. it's an uncertain thing. I've seen, I don't even know how many people. Over the 15 years I've been doing this, I think I can say I've not had a bad outcome with a patient because of a lack of preparation or doing the things I was supposed to do. I think I have followed protocol sufficiently in all circumstances. Right. But one of the best things that the medical field does, and even does filter down to the level of first response and EMS, is the M&M, uh, the Mortality and Morbidity Conference. Something's right. gone wrong. Somebody's dead that shouldn't have been dead. And, yeah, it's kind of, okay, you're the one that screwed up and you're in the spotlight and you're going to get hammered with a bunch of questions. But the value there is not beaten up on the person that made the mistake. The value is everybody else that is there that hasn't made that mistake now is going to learn that mistake. Right. The second best autobiography I've read in the past 10 years uh, was Gene Kranz's. Uh, Gene Kranz, the legendary director of flight operations in the Mercury and Gemini and Apollo era. Oh, right. At NASA. Yes, 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 yes. Failure is not an option, Gene Kranz. Uh, and he said that the important thing was it didn't matter which crew was in the capsule. It didn't matter which crew was in the flight operations center. What one crew learned and fixed, they all learned. Right. And sharing those stories, sharing that information becomes crucial. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mary Robinette covers that in the Lady Astronaut series. Mm -hmm. Because um, she spent a lot of time in with astronauts and with NASA and with the history and doing all the research around it to produce this alternate history she had produced. And um, they talk a lot about that uh, because it's, you know, yeah, uh, there are places where mistakes cost lives. And yep. certainly space flight is one of them. So. The uh, the astronaut's prayer is a fairly well-known thing. You you know it, Kevin? I don't actually know that one. Oh, Lord, don't let me fuck up. Uh, okay, is the astronaut's well, prayer. Yeah. Um, 
so I know it. I just didn't know it under that name. <laughs> but uh, but for every astronaut, uh, everybody in mission control was, I'm not going to let them fuck up. I'm going to know everything that could crop up here. And then for everybody that's sitting in that seat with the headset and the pocket protector. Yep. And if I'd been born 20 years earlier or 20 years later, when NASA was not at a fallow time, I would have done my best to earn my seat there. Oh, yeah. They have an entire room full of people running every possible case. And the, the special case is Steve Bales uh, in the final descent of uh, Apollo 11 uh, or John Aaron when Apollo 12 got hit by lightning. And they just knew because, huh, I saw something a year ago that looked weird and I dug into it until I knew what it was. Right, right. And now I'm dredging that back out, and I'm thinking, in the course of three seconds, SCE to AUX. And now three guys are alive that maybe wouldn't have been. You know, right. just the, the preparation is is where everything comes from. While being lazy. While being lazy. Well, I mean, preparation is laziness, because if you prepare properly, you don't have to do extra work, and you don't have to panic. You don't have to fix it, yeah. You don't have to fix it, yeah. Um, on the other side of the coin, not one that says 70 maximum of, of, of 70 uh, maximally effective mercenaries, but um, yep. on the flip side of the failure coin, do you celebrate your successes? And if so, how? Yeah, yeah. Uh, something really good happens. Uh, it may just be the private little, ha, I did it dance. Yep. Uh, or I'm going to go back to emergency medicine again. Uh, we recognize things like, okay, here's what most people don't know. CPR almost never works. Yeah. If, for, if you don't know, if you go down in a witnessed arrest and somebody is on your chest right away, there's about a 70% chance that you have got whatever caused that is actually fixable. Mm -hmm. There's about a 30% chance that no matter what happens, you can move heaven and earth you are not going to come out of that arrest state. You're dead. Right. And somebody's on your chest, keeping your brain alive, pumping like they're supposed to. Maybe you got respirations going. Maybe it's compression only. Every minute that goes by without defibrillation, mm -hmm. your chances of coming through that event go down by about 10%. Right. So... When we get the call and we book our asses over and we're really lucky we're in that room about four minutes after the call came in. And who knows how long somebody was running around going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, while they're looking for the phone and trying to remember 911. We right. get somebody back. Mm -hmm. We acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, I got a shiny little pin that I'm going to give you that says CPR safe. Or we got a shiny little pin uh, with a stork on it that says childbirth. I will go my entire career without assisting in a childbirth call, and I will be happy. <laughs> Do not need that one. It takes forever it's, to clean up an ambulance after one of them's. It, yeah, well, yeah, it takes it takes several years to clean up a house after one of those. Uh, oh, wait, <laughs> they weren't actually born here, but it still is going to take several years anyway. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's a, a big thing. Um, by the way, the um, the AEDs. I'm saying yeah. that right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In public places now, um, which last time I took CPR, they trained us how to use. Mm -hmm. 
which is mostly here are the instructions on the device. Follow, Follow them. them. Yeah. Um, Turn it on first. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you can buy, they're a little expensive, but you can buy portable ones to go with you. Yep. Uh, we have a friend with a heart condition that we have looked very seriously into buying one to just, this goes in your carry-on. And if this, you do that, make yeah. sure you get the one with the non-specialized batteries. Yes. Uh, if In case anybody's in the market for a defibrillator, an automated external defibrillator, there are some that have proprietary batteries that kind of look like the ones that keep an especially chunky laptop working, and there are others that just run off of like 10 Duracell photo batteries, and yeah. they are much easier and cheaper to replace. Yeah, like if, if you know, you and you can actually test those. You'd be like, oh, yeah. those batteries are going bad. Great, we're going to Best, well, maybe not Best Buy, but we're going wherever you buy. You know, maybe battery warehouse. Yeah, yeah battery warehouse, or um, I've seen some crazy batteries in like the photo section of Walmart, so yeah. Um, but they're not hard to get. Nope. So, yeah. Um, Yes, which reminds me, maybe this year I'll be able to get my CPR re-upped. Um, see how it's changed since the last time. <laughs> since it changes it, every uh, time. It, uh, about every other time. Uh, it's mm -hmm. in a constant uh, reassessment process, and it's every five years they come out with new standards. Yeah. Um, I'm just waiting for them to go. Uh, they've finished the 2020 survey, so... I'm due in June. I may very well see a new standard by then. Uh, I'm taking a different class than you are because I'm a healthcare provider, uh, but right. I think they may even kick healthcare provider over to compression only just so you're not interrupting flow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. Recognize your success. Hope you don't have to get a childbirth pin. Um. <laughs> I'll tell you the two most important words on a childbirth call, Kevin. Uh, I'll okay, drive. Hit me. I'll drive. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, add that to the um, yeah best advice on childbirth calls. Say I'll drive. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, that's everything. Um. Have you? What have you got? What have you got to share with us? Not that what you have already shared up? a lot. Yeah. Oh, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna note that uh, I stole something from you. Oh dear. Uh, which is uh, when I got this chief's job, uh, mm -hmm. I put in an order with Howard, and I got uh, a half dozen of the <laughs> not my circus, not my monkeys coins. Yes. To give to my officers and crew chiefs and say, look. This job is when something goes wrong, it is our circus, it is our monkeys, but you have one get out of circus and monkeys event that you can uh, that you can cash in on by giving me this coin back. Yes. And uh, I, I, I stole that from you. Yeah, I, I did that for my last um, my last, uh, I guess it was two companies ago. Uh, but at the time we were much smaller. I could not do that for the company yeah. I work for now. Too big. Way too big. Um, but at uh, two companies ago, where, like, at one point, I was the entire department, mm -hmm. and then we slowly grew past that, um, it was much more practical to say, yeah, I'm just going to buy two dozen at a time. And as people, you know, as we do our first in-person or whatever, you 
you get one in an explanation. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah, I, I I just have three officers and a couple of crew chiefs reporting to me, so they, they can deal with the people beyond them. If they want to take that down to their <laughs> crews, that's their business. That's right. That's right. But um, it it gets into a philosophy, you know, that uh, I mentioned the top down that our last chief uh, approach, our last chief had. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember reading years ago, I don't remember what history it was, that said uh, by all of the traditional metrics, the Allies should not have won World War II because the Germans had superior tanks and superior mm-hmm. planes and superior generals. But the Allies, particularly the Americans, had better trucks mm-hmm. and better sergeants. Yep. And the the secret there was, okay, great. You've got maybe not that great a colonel and a marginal captain and lieutenant is completely useless. But if that sergeant is given the ability to see something he can exploit and act on it, then they're going to do so. And that's what I'm trying to foster. I'm trying to make sure yeah. that everybody below me, first thing I did when I got this job was put in the succession plan, say, okay, hey, you're my deputy chief. You are going to be ready to take over and not have to figure things out if I walk in front of a bus. And right. I want captain below you to do the same thing. I want the lieutenant below him to do the same thing. I want these crew chiefs to be able to step up into officer positions. We, and uh, I want we... moderately experienced EMTs to be able to become crew chiefs. I've uh, I've stopped using the uh, walk in front of a bus as as the term. Um, yeah. Now it's win the lottery. I would rather yeah, okay. it be a happy event than a sad event, right? Well, if like, I win the lottery, I'll be able to ride more often because <laughs> I won't have to worry about work the next day. Well, yeah, I mean that's 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 the uh, that's the I've won the lottery. Well, okay, so when I'm talking about work events, work, like, yeah. here's the documentation. Yes, this is the win the lottery event. Uh, why? Because if I win the lottery, that's fuck you money. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, I get it. You you have to you have to empower the people who are actually in the positions to make the decisions. You can't have them constantly going, "Okay, what do I do now?" and asking the person above them who has to ask the person blah 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 blah. Right? They have to be able to make that judgment call on the ground. Yep. And you know, like I said, some of it's just if you haven't seen it before, you don't necessarily know what to do, and there's not always enough people who have seen it before. So. Yep. It's it's going to take me two years. I'm in the midst of writing uh, what will probably end up a 15 to 20 page document complete with diagrams and specialized response kits. Hey, when there is a structure fire in town, here's what we have to do to make sure that the firefighters don't kill themselves tromping around in an extra 50 kilos of gear in a 3000 degree environment when they come out. Right. Here's what we have to do to keep them alive. Yeah. Uh, my my friend, the firefighter slash EMT captain up in uh, up in Greensboro of all places, um, hmm. would, would appreciates that sort of thinking. So, <laughs> uh, we'll introduce you someday when someday. all of this is over. When all <laughs> yeah, we just no, sort of wave every, everybody hands. does the gesture. Yeah, everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> You Where can't see Kevin. Him? I can see Kevin. He's waving his hands. I'm waving my hands when Everybody we talk about all of this. Everybody knows we're doing it. Everybody knows we're doing it. All right. Where can we find you online? 
I mean, you can find you can find me at uh, Fleen F L E E N dot com. It was an acronym once upon a time. Now it's a word like Xerox or Kleenex. <laughs> yep. And uh, you have a Twitter. I do have a Twitter, Fleen Guy, uh, because Gary Terrell was taken by another Gary Terrell. Nice guy. We've had lunch. Uh, we we split who grabs uh, the name on various networks uh, at time. <laughs> I got that email service. He got this one. He got Twitter. Uh, I'm not on Facebook, but he got Facebook. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it works. Yep, he at least knows that my email is not his email. I wish I have a cousin on the West Coast whose yep. family has not quite gotten that. That his email is not my email, and I've had the occasional discussion with, "Hey, did you get a password reset request for this? My daughter is trying to set up an account and uh, put in the wrong email." I'm like, "Yeah, okay." My my big problem is with I, I think he's an electrical contractor. And we're around uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and I'm constantly getting contracts and plans and requests for proposal. And I've got a stock response that says, you want Gary C. Terrell. And uh, yeah, if, if they refuse, you know, actually, I had one guy arguing, stop, stop messing around, Gary, and read the contract. And uh, I said, if you do this, I'm going to start showing up to these things you invite me to. And I'm yeah. going to start responding to things that I have no idea about. And then he, he got the idea. <laughs> he got the message. Okay. <laughs> also, there's somebody in Australia that wants $5,000 for some lintels that he sold me, and I'm not sure what lintels are, but I'm sure they're very nice lintels. That would be, yeah, in Australia. Weird. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ask, ask KB. KB yeah. knows what lintels are. Um, I bet. I think it's something to do with window framing, but... <laughs> something like that. All right. Um, dude, thank you. Hey, a whole lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Absolutely. Um, and anytime you want to come back, just say the word. We'll make it happen. All right. Uh, not sure we left anything uncovered, but uh, we're all growing and changing, so it'll be a different conversation next time. Exactly. Um, and all right. Have people, fun with dogs, the cats, the chickens. Am I, is anything out stuff? there? No, I, I think that's everything. Oh, the Ursula. The Ur- of course, the wombat. Uh, it, it's it's like the end of uh, the third Muppet movie. Deer, uh, pigs, and frogs, and chickens, and things. Exactly. His show is Broadway. <laughs> anyway, uh, for the people at home, we'll be right back after this. Gary, thank you so much. It was awesome to talk to you. We really should just, you know, like... Someday we'll have dinner again, Gary. We will. We will. And, um, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot as I'm looking over my notes, because I don't, I don't listen real time to the interview while we're recording. We just take, like, a little break, and then I come back. So I'm he staring at... He sings the theme song. People. I kind of do. 
It's a catchy tune. Everybody who, who's listened <laughs> just is like, I start to hear it, and they have to finish it. Like, I, I can't even, when I'm editing the things and I'm trying to position the sound just right, I have to listen to the whole thing at least once, or I just can't function. Earwormus interrupt us. Yeah. Um, but I was just looking at my notes about the, uh, um, you know, the Not My Circus, Not My Monkeys Challenge coins, and, uh, of course, the astronaut's prayer, Dear Lord, don't let me fuck up. Yeah. You know, two, two amazing, uh, important things that... I keep in mind all the time, or try to. Uh, so, as you might expect, our badge code for this week is, in fact, Fleen Guy. Excellent. And so you can take that to productivityalchemy.com. Might have to spell it. Uh, F-L-E-E-N-G-U-Y. Same as his Twitter handle. Um, uh, put that in to get this week's badge. Um, quick update on badges. You may see duplicate badges in your screen of badges. Yeah, there's some serious database surgery. I could do it one user at a time, which is really painful, or I could figure out how to dedupe the database, and so there's ongoing stuff. If it, if it bothers you, and I know it, it can bother people, I can go in and remove the duplicates. It's just doing it for all you know, several hundred people. There are several hundred people who collect badges every week. Good God! Is um, a little time consuming, uh, so I'm 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 working on ways to maybe go in and dedupe that. All right, I have a charity this week, and it is something very important uh, to Gary, and that is Greyhound Rescue. Absolutely fabulous people. You know, both both his greyhounds are rescues. Uh, and so I will have links, uh, to the rescue specifically that Gary got his hounds at. Good, good. And, you know, uh, these are people who are taking basically either tired dogs or washed out race dogs or whatever and giving them good homes, uh, and, you know, good care for the rest of their lives. And they're really good dogs. We, if, we can't have them. Uh, we we really, really debated it, but uh, we have so many little running things in the house, na and uh, namely the cats, that we can't have any dog with a prey drive, which is uh, why we have the world's most washed-out hunters. But yeah, yeah, anything with a high prey drive is just asking for trouble and, around the house. Uh, yeah. yeah, so there are greyhounds who can work with cats. And, oh, yeah. And... Uh, uh, if you have the luxury of exploring that, they they are fabulous dogs, according to everyone. So. Yes, they're supposed to, they're just amazing animals, and I'm I'm happy to support uh, just their rescue efforts, especially the place where Gary has adopted his dogs from. Yep. So links to that will be in the show notes at productivityalchemy.com. I put all the links there every week, um, and like we said, that's where you can. Collect where you badges. Can find your badges. Yep. Uh, also, where if you wanted to support us, you could. But honestly, if you have the money and you feel like throwing it around, uh, greyhounds are probably the way to go. Yes, absolutely. And so that's it for this week. Yep. Um, I hope I, we're supposed to see the sun again in about two days, three days. I'm excited. It'll it's supposed to be really damn cold when we do. And then warms right back up. So we'll we'll see how it rolls. But we have possible tornadoes between now and then. Uh, yes. So, you know, fingers crossed. And, 
you know, even with all that going on, even with the world the way it is, as I wave my arms about, you know, all that. Even with daylight savings time. Even with daylight savings time, just, you know, do your best to stay productive. Yeah, turn on the sun lamp tomorrow morning. I, this is killing yeah. me. I mean, let's see what happens. What's the worst that happens? Uh, well, now you've jinxed it. Good job. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs>